Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, find us on the web at revivallifechurch.org. How you guys doing this morning? It was chilly this morning, right? It was chilly this morning. I'm a Floridian. I like it hot. I like it hot, hot. Someone said, man, I'm thinking about moving from Florida. It's too hot. I'm like, moving where? Somewhere cold? You know, no matter where people are from, like there's something there that people here don't like. Does that make sense? People are like, oh, you live in Florida? They have hurricanes there. I'm like, you live with earthquakes. Like we get a month (laughs) warning with a hurricane. What are you talking about? Earthquake just comes whenever it feels like coming and swallows your house, right? Like we have time to leave. Right? I mean, sweet Jesus. I like the hot. So now it's cold. How long do you think fall is going to be this year? You think it's going to be this week? <clears throat> you think winter will be over by the time next week comes? Or what's going to happen in Florida? I like to know what day winter is coming this week, this year, you know? They're going to be done with. Hallelujah. Hey, uh, our fall festival uh, last uh, yesterday. Man, that was amazing. We had, I mean, I was so impressed. Give it up if you would one time for everybody who participated. Everybody who participated. It was, we had so many kids here, so many visitors, so many guests. It was, it was just a, just an amazing time. Great job, Sarah, please. Your team, amazing. You got to give us a holy finger. There it is right there. Hallelujah. It was, it was really great. Next year is going to be much bigger. I just have a feeling. It's going to be a lot. Sarah's like, <laughs> oh, great. I'll leave. But we're all going to chip in. It's going to be an amazing event next year. Uh, I, I participated, and I was told that my trunk won the trunk or treat competition. I was told that I won. I'm telling you that I won. Hey, I decide who wins. <clears throat> and uh, I heard that there was, I don't know, those who missed it, there was Trunk or treating, I don't know if you heard this, if, if you're familiar with the concept. Basically, uh, you, you decorate your trunk uh, and you make it like an event or something and the kids go from trunk to trunk doing the event and getting some stuff so they don't have to wander aimlessly around, you know, the crazies who live in your neighborhood. And, um, and we had some folks out here and, uh, and uh, you know, mine was, you know, decked out in, you know, football gear, Florida Gator. It looked like, I mean, now somebody turned their van into an entire obstacle course with pillows and all that and that was easily the second best one there I think it's a unanimous decision that it's at least the second best one and um no but we had a bunch of really neat ones there were a bunch of really 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 great and I just want to thank everybody who came out and uh, it was just an amazing time the only only negative to the event was the uh, creepy dinosaur that was terrifying the children if if I don't know I don't know if you were there, but I don't know how many kids have to scream before you realize this probably isn't working. And so next year we promise no inflatable dinosaur people to terrify your children. The chicken was a hit. The chicken, inflatable chicken person was a hit. The dinosaur was just scary. Hallelujah. But it was an amazing event. Uh, it was just such a blessing. Kids had a great time. I had a good time. Sun was too hot, but it was good. So hey, we're starting a new message series today. Uh, what's happening is we're working our way through the book of Acts. We're at Acts chapter 4, and we're taking a little pause in Acts chapter 4 uh, because uh, the disciples prayed in a way that God actually reacted to their prayers. And so we thought, hey, maybe there's something in that. Maybe there's something in that whole praying in a way that something happens. Let's maybe take a look at that, right? Like um, there's plenty of prayer happening, prayer where God actually answers Maybe we can take a look at that and see if we can't do that. So we titled our message series, Talk to Jesus. Talk with Jesus, because that's the essence of prayer, amen? And I hope the song is stuck in your head and that you sing it the rest of the week. Have a little talk with Jesus, because that's what prayer is all about, amen? And that's what we want. We're going to talk about talking to Jesus. We're going to talk about prayer and, and like, hey, let's maybe we can pray effectively. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe, maybe we can do it in a way that like it's not a waste of time. It doesn't feel like a chore, and actually, I don't know, we experience God. That might be kind of neat, right? <clears throat> so as we look at Acts chapter 4, uh, where we are in our scripture, we're going to start in verse 29, Acts four twenty-nine. Uh, it says, and now, 
if you remember now, what they're talking about now was the disciples were walking to the temple. Remember where we were in the story? They were walking to the temple and uh, they saw a guy who was normally there being carried because he couldn't walk. Uh, and uh, they ministered to him. Really kind of funny, we talk about how they prayed for him and he was healed, but you don't see a prayer anywhere in that. Right? They just told him, get up. Right? I can promise you they were able to tell him, get up, because they had prayed earlier. Right? They're carrying that prayer with them. They saw the man, get up. Right? Like, they didn't, they didn't even tell, it wasn't a full sentence, you know, I don't, what I, what I have, you know, I do give to you in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. They didn't even tell him to be healed. They didn't pray for healing. Didn't pray for restoration. They didn't tell him to be healed. They didn't command healing. They just told him to get up. Right? They just told him, get up. Right? And I find that God tells us to do things which require us to have done other things or for other things to have happened. Right? Uh, but sometimes we try to do the thing without the other things that are requiring to have happened. Does that make sense? Jesus demonstrated this when he sent out the disciples. Uh, he prayed a lot and nobody asked him about his prayer life. And then he told them to start doing stuff that he did. In Acts, right? And then they came back and said, can you tell us how to pray? By the way, because <laughs> this isn't exactly the way. I don't, I'm not seeing what you're seeing. Do you mind telling us how to pray? And he's like, oh, I thought you'd never ask. Let me tell you how to pray, right? And so he tells us to do things which require us to do other things in order to be, do the thing he's called us to do, right? And so he just, uh, they just told the guy, get up and walk. And the guy was able to get up and walk. And um, uh, the folks who ran the temple uh, felt like this might be a threat to their power because someone actually has answered prayers, right? And so when they saw that someone has uh, more power and that their prayers are more powerful than theirs, you know, the logical thing for them to do was tell them to stop bearing fruit, right? Because that you're making us look bad. Uh, and so they, they brought Peter and John in front of the Sanhedrin, which were the Sadducees and the Pharisees that were leading the, the group along with the high priest. And uh, they said to them, they tried to intimidate them, they tried to scare them, they tried to force them, to manipulate their words, and, uh, and they had not recognized that uh, Peter and John had been with Jesus. And once you walk with Jesus, it's pretty difficult to be intimidated by people, especially people telling you direct. See, they were, they were kind of dumb because the way the enemy tempts you is he gets you to look a little bit away. Now, if the devil came to you and said, hey, why don't you go ahead and deny Jesus? I believe most of us would win that battle, right? If the enemy came and said, why don't you deny Jesus? You're like, I'm not going to deny Jesus. So the enemy instead has us just do little compromises. Right? Little compromises, right? And so who knows what would have happened if they had tempted them with little compromises. But the devil, I need you to hear this, is stupid, right? He's not that bright. He's not as crafty as people paint him to be. He's not that wise because all wisdom comes from God and they have none of it. Amen? No, come on, come on. Amen. Come on, mama. Right? And so since, 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 the, since, it all, since the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and they don't fear the Lord, they don't have any wisdom or knowledge, right? They're just stupid, right? And so uh, it's easy. We should know their uh, devices because we don't want to follow them. So they stand in front of the, uh, Peter and John. I tell them, hey, deny Jesus. And they're like, um, well, you know, if we should obey God or you, you figure out what we're going to do about that, right? But we're just going to go on and telling people what we saw and what we heard. And... So they went back to their friends, and they went back to their friends and said, hey, uh, the Sanhedrin tried to slime us, right? They tried to make us scared to follow Jesus. They tried to make us scared to obey God. And so their friends, like good friends do, began declaring the word of God over them. They began reciting the prophecies about that day and that age and how God was with them. And then they prayed this incredibly powerful prayer. They said, and now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant to your bond servants that we may speak your word with all confidence. Your version may say with all boldness, but confidence or boldness, it doesn't necessarily matter. Your word with all confidence while you extend forth your hand to heal. While you extend forth your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began speaking the word of God with boldness. You say amen to the reading of the word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. I want to tell you something today. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. God actually wants to answer your prayers. God wants to answer your prayers. And one of the most successful tactics of the devil in this day and age is people's uh, addiction to certainty. Uncertainty has stopped more people from succeeding than almost anything. People are constantly unsure of what they're supposed to do, unable to make a decision, just uncertain. And uncertainty is, uh, is the hotbed of insecurity, and that insecurity will keep you from producing any fruit in your life. Insecurity manifests as uncertainty. Terrified to make a decision because you're insecure about the outcome. And the enemy will continue pushing that button as long as you let him. I had a boss who used to say, do something even if it's wrong. He would show up and say, why haven't you guys produced anything? We're like, well, I just weren't sure how to do stuff. He's like, and so you did nothing? Do something even if it's wrong, right? Do so. I, want, I hope some of you just walk out of today like I am not going to allow uncertainty. I'm not going to allow uncertainty. Come on. I'm not going to allow it any longer. I'm going to do something even if it's wrong. People say, why did you do that? He said, I had to do something, and so that's what I did. And so now we're going to live with it. That's why I did it. Did something. Going to do something. Amen? Right? Go back to verse 29, if you would, on the screen here. They asked that they would speak the word of God with all confidence. Right? Boldness. With, with just surety. This is what they were praying. Like, we can't allow that fear to own our prayer life. And see, God wants to answer your prayers. Right? And God wants you to have a fruitful prayer life. And so, in our day and age, uh, there's, a, there's a saying that we use uh, mostly in the negative, and that's, you know, the ends justify the means, right? And so, if someone is doing something immoral, and you say to them, why are you doing this immoral thing? They're like, well, that's the only way I could do, I could accomplish what I wanted to accomplish, and the end justifies the means. Let me tell you, in Christ, that is not true. Unrighteousness is unrighteousness. And if you think it's bearing good fruit, you are deceived. There is nothing good that comes from sin. And if you love the fruit of sin, then there's really something wrong in your worldview, right? There's something wrong in our worldview when we think that sin is producing a good effect. I'm not going to go down this road, uh, but th that I'm, just, I'm just feeling I'm not going down that road. I'm not going down that road. But Jesus is very clear he never teaches us who to hate. He does tell us who to love. And so in our society today, we're looking for who to hate. And we feel justified. Remember, we talked about groupthink. We feel justified in hating the right people. But Jesus talked about who we're supposed to love. And it was almost nobody you wanted to love. He rarely said, hey, you know the feelings that you have bubbling up? Go with those. That's perfect. He said, no, you know the guy who robbed you? See if you can give him the outfit to complete the set. That's Jesus. And so in our day and age, there's a lot of unrighteousness being preached in the name of Christ. But, you know, the church always wants Barabbas instead of Jesus. They want the loud mouth. They want the, the bold one, the angry one, the violent one. They don't want Jesus who just tells you who to love. I'm not just thought I dropped that little thing right there for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So the ends, but here's a, here's a more positive way of looking at the ends justify the means. We should, what we're doing, what we're doing, the means of our life should be producing what we want it to be producing, right? We should not be doing things just for the sake of doing them. We shouldn't be doing anything because God said so, right? Let me qualify that if you would. If you're new to Christ and someone told you it's bad to, bad to sleep around, just do it because they said so, right? If someone said to you, hey, lying is sin, you're like, well, I don't want to just do it because they said so. No, go ahead with that, right? Just go ahead and stop lying, right? Stop stealing, don't rob God, like be generous, right? Like be loving, just do it until you get a revelation, right? But Jesus didn't want us to live in the realm of because I said so, right? He wants us to get a revelation 
of what we're trying to produce. Now, what I, what I mean by that is we don't go to church just to go to church because he said so. We go to church because we're supposed to fellowship with believers, we're supposed to be in a community, we're supposed to be contributing to the lives of others and receiving their contribution into our lives. Amen? And so we have to look at, at some point, is, is what, I, what am I trying to get? And is it justifying what I'm doing to get it? Let, let me use a, a real-life example. Excuse me if I'm being too abstract. Most of us have jobs, right? Those of, that's those of us who are actually contributing to society probably, right? No, I'm joking. Um, <clears throat> most of us have jobs, and the reason we have jobs, by and large, is to pay bills. Amen? Most of us, not everybody, many of us would love to be at the place where we don't need to work to pay bills, right? But God likes us to work. And uh, the way this place is set up, called Earth, uh, we go to work, we give them eight, 10, 12 hours of our day, and in return, they give us the ability to eat, right? They give us money so we can buy food, right? And hopefully, somewhere to live. Maybe an ability to buy clothes, support our families, right? We go to work to earn money. That is the purpose of a job, so that we have money, by and large. It would be wonderful if we all could work out of fulfillment or just because we want to give our life to something. And hopefully, you can manage your life well enough that later in life, you're able to do that. Well, you're not working for money. You're working for passion, right? That's why we want to be good stewards young so we can work for passion as opposed to money later on. But <clears throat> what they found in uh, leadership studies is um, all things being equal, <clears throat> some companies were able to keep good managers and others were not and they found out it wasn't the money it wasn't the benefits and there was a season where all these um, silicon valley companies were like hiring personal masseurs and they'd walk your dog and they'd you know give you free lattes and they got to the point where you know everybody had that and so that wasn't keeping anybody uh to stay at their job <clears throat> what they found was there's these 12 things i don't have time to go through them all but if they were able to ask you these 12 questions and the more you said yes to, the more likely you would not leave your job. And these were things like, do you feel that your work is important? And then they go into what they called work-life things. You've heard of this. This has been a big deal last 10, 15, 20 years, work-life issues. And what they found out was, if you have a best friend at work, you're very unlikely to quit your job. <clears throat> so companies start doing things like having free Taco Tuesday where they have an employee function. Oh, they're so generous. They bought you a $3 taco. That is amazing. You didn't get enough money to start paying your bills, but you did get a free taco. <clears throat> and now that you're getting the free taco with your best friend, they know you're not going to quit, and so they don't need to give you a raise. Because we don't actually go to work now because it's going to pay our bills. We act like there's some sort of abstract connection between what we do and how much we earn. Like, I just work, and the money comes. It's... <clears throat> It doesn't actually work that way. It doesn't work that way. There's actually jobs that pay better than other jobs. There's actually jobs that are not as awful as other jobs, right? <clears throat> and if we prepare ourselves properly, we can actually get a job like that pays the bills, right? And um, sometimes we're working a job uh, that doesn't pay enough money, and we need some extra money, right? You, you know, you get that extra money at your extra job. That's where the extra money comes from, your extra job. And the way it's designed is you start doing the extra job until you say, this, this is awful. I hate this. I need to get a better main job. And so I find a job that makes enough money that will pay my bills, and I figure out what I need to do to get that job. I know this is rocket science for some people. Like, I'm doing some sort of voodoo magic right now, putting things together. But, um, but the economy is not a mystery. The economy is not a mystery. It actually works off pretty, pretty standard principles. And, and the better employee you are, the more valuable you become. And you tell people things like, I really appreciate Taco Tuesday, but if I'm not making this much money by this point in the year, I'm going to find another job. Right? It's that simple. Right? Like, you have to actually, like, this is a wonderful opportunity. I thank you for the team building, but I'm actually here to pay my bills. This is lovely. Yes, put some salsa on it. That's great. But I actually need about a thousand more dollars a month. I'll take all the tacos you give me, but I need that in money, not tacos. 
right? Because if you're working 60 hours a week and you're not paying your bills, the ends do not justify the means. Does this make sense? And no matter how many best friends you have at the job, it's time for a new job. Now, maybe you need to work harder. I'm not trying to, you know, maybe you need to work harder. Maybe you need to sharpen your skill set. Maybe you need to go back to school. Maybe you need to just make a better decision with how you're picking jobs or how hard you're working or how diligent you are. Or maybe you need to get some advice. I don't know. I don't know. I know it's not as simple as, you know, just send your name out there and you start making money. But at some point, we've got to look at what I'm trying to produce and is my life producing it? Right? We have to do that. And that should be in every area of our life. What am I trying to produce is what I'm doing. Will it produce that? Right? We have people in this uh, church who do all kind of amazing things, things that I never would do on my own, uh, who have skill sets that I don't. Um, we have someone here today who breeds dogs, right? And he breeds what I understand to be really kind of desirable dogs, right? I doubt that he just goes to the pound and buys two dogs and puts them together in hopes that he gets a valuable dog. Right? You don't just find a stray dog on the street and say, oh, this one's free. That's going to work out great. Right? So if there's no preparation in the breeding, then you're not probably going to breed a good product. Right? So if there's no preparation in our work life, we're probably not going to produce the amazing product we're looking for. Right? You might want to get some champion stock that you're bringing to the table. Right? Now, you can breed any two dogs. And you might get a dollar or two for the dogs that they produce. I don't know. It depends. But I understand these champion dogs are ridiculously expensive. I don't know who is paying this money for these dogs, but bless them, Jesus. I just ask that he sells more. Amen? Somebody's buying them, and I hope more people do it. Amen? Yeah. But it actually takes some preparation to produce what we're trying to produce. And so we've got to look at the end product and figure out what it is and figure out how we figure out our lives to pour into that, to produce that product, right? <clears throat> and so we got to look at our prayer life here at some point, you know? we got to look at our prayer life, and is it actually producing anything, or are we living in fantasy? We had our, um, our, our fall festival yesterday, and it was, the kids were so cute, right? There were, like, so many, so many cute uh, outfits. There was one, I think it was Henry's grandkids. They were, they were, they were trucks. There was an ice cream truck and a school bus. It was so cute. And they looked like a truck and a school. I, don't, I can't even do it justice. I wish I had a picture I would tell you about it. And, uh, you know, these kids, they probably thought they actually were a truck and a school bus, right? Like, that's how kids are, right? Like, they put on a cape and a mask, and now they're a flying superhero, right? And they'll run around the house like this. Look, I'm flying. No, actually, you just have your arms out. That's not... You're not actually flying, right? But we don't tell them that. We're like, oh, yeah, look, you're flying. Look, you're flying. And it's all fun and cute, right? Until they climb on the roof. Now reality has to come in and say, what you're hoping to produce, you are not actually equipped to produce, right? Like this is, like, this is real. And, and we do stuff with God and we, and we go through the rituals and, 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 and we act like it's, a, you know, we're just doing stuff because we think we're supposed to be doing it. And in prayer, there's no actual magic words. But at some point, what we have to do is we have to ask ourselves, you know, are my prayers producing anything? Are my prayers producing anything? Is there any, any I mean, if you looked at your prayer life and what you've been praying for, is it, is it producing anything? We have to ask. That's where we get real. Like, have you just been wearing the school bus and calling yourself a school bus? Or are your prayers actually producing anything? Are you actually praying? You know, like if you're not, I'm, I'm, I think we can confidently answer that question. No. <laughs> are they producing anything? <clears throat> Peter talked about, he had an interesting phrase. <clears throat> he talked about people who puff themselves up. And I was talking with somebody this morning about, no, I'm not going to go down that road. Hallelujah. The self-appointed apostles who want to come into your life. And, uh, and, and, and so we, Peter used this phrase about these folks who want to be somebody, and they call them waterless springs. And they act like a spring, and they talk like a spring, but they're not actually producing any water. There's no, actually, no actual living water coming from them. And <clears throat> when someone wants to be something in your life, first of all, that's always a check to me. 
when someone is getting their value off of how I look at them. That's, to me, I'm like, that, 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 um, that scares me to begin with. Um, but you begin to look at the fruit of their lives. What is the fruit of someone's life? And you should be able to see fruit in someone's life if they want to be a spiritual leader. Right? If, if everybody is looking at them and talking about them in a certain way, they warn you, chances are you need to be, you need to be weary. Amen? I'm not going to go down that road, but I, I have to go over this every couple years, it seems, that um, people, uh, you know, things are very simple in Christ. There's no, um, there's no special rules for leaders. Like, that applies to you, but not me. Does this make sense? Um, I heard a leader say recently, um, if no one can speak into a leader's life, they start doing unspeakable things. Right? So you find people uh, who are consistently behaving poorly. You need to tell somebody. Some sort of leadership needs to know about that. And um, if they tell you not to tell leadership, that means they don't have a leader. And you really need to steer clear. We need to be helpful of one another who are in bad places. And when people are in bad places, they want to start living in darkness and they want you to live there with them. And we need to be weary. You need to, we need to help people and bring things to light. Right? Now, if your best friend says, man, I'm going through something, please don't tell anybody. Okay. Absolutely. That's a secret. That's between me and you. I'm not going to tell anybody that. But if somebody says, I want you to do this for me and not tell anybody about it, you need to say, I'll be telling somebody right now. <laughs> because they need help. We're not going into darkness with you. I'm bringing you into light with me. And I may not have the answers, but I know some people who do. They're called your pastors. And I'll be talking to them about this love of darkness, right? <clears throat> Hallelujah. <clears throat> let's, just, let's just be people who love the light, Amen. And let's love people enough to help them come see the light. Amen? Amen? Come on, we've got to be brave enough to help people out. <laughs> Amen. And so if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I'm going to be talking about prayer today, but I am not just talking about prayer. I am believing that the Spirit of the Lord is here and He's going to activate something in your life that the Holy Ghost of God is going to draw you into the secret place, that Jesus is going to reveal the Father to you in hunger for times of intimacy with God. Amen? I believe that something spiritual is happening here, that the Holy Spirit of God is moving even in hearts right now. Come on, come on, come on. We're going to clap. Let's clap. The Holy Spirit of God is moving in hearts right now, and He's revealing things right now. Amen? All right, so if you've got, if you've got notes, write this down. The purpose of prayer is to create, strengthen, and deepen a spiritual connection with the heart of the Father. The purpose of prayer is to create, strengthen, and deepen a spiritual connection with the heart of the Father. That is why we pray. Many, many other things come out of prayer, but that is why we pray. <clears throat> Jesus talked about prayer in, in, uh, in Matthew chapter 6. I talked earlier when, he, when they asked him to teach him to pray. He says, listen, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corner so that every... Can you imagine people are praying in the street corner here? We have them now. These have bullhorns and big signs. Some people are going to hell. Those are people who haven't gotten to the sixth chapter of Matthew yet, apparently. <clears throat> like they're in the Word. They found out about Jesus. They haven't gotten this far yet, apparently. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues. And on the street corner, so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. God's not calling us to pray special prayers. He's not telling us certain words. He's not calling us to like some ritual. That's like, it's not what He's called us to do. He actually wants to have an intimate relationship with us. He actually wants to know us. And He wants to be known by us. That's His heart to be known by us, that he would have a personal relationship with you. Now, maybe your prayer life right now is not all that dynamic. Maybe it's not um, that amazing yet. Maybe 
maybe like you don't even know how to pray. I hope that we give you some keys today that 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 help. Now, God always hears your prayers. He always hears your prayers, even the short ones like help. Those are the prayer God likes the best, actually. He loves when you get to the end of yourself and you get stuck and you need help and you cry out to him for it. He actually loves it. He actually loves it. He actually loves it. He loves saving people who live on the streets or in prison. He loves finding humble people. He doesn't look at people the way we look at people. He looks at the heart. And if somebody is humble enough to say, I cannot do this without you, those are the people that he puts on top. Right? Humility is what he's actually looking for. He's not looking at bank accounts. He actually doesn't judge people by by bank accounts. Our society stratifies people by bank accounts. Our entire society is built out that way, right? If you're poor and you get a speeding ticket, you're wrecked. If you're rich and you get a speeding ticket, it's just not really that big a deal, right? When you're broke, when you're broke and you get a speeding ticket, you may not be able to pay your rent, right? Right, you can't pay your insurance, and so they suspend your license, and now you got a warrant. I mean, like this is—you can't buy insurance, so you lose your car, you lose your job. It's you know we stratify it. our country, our society. Now, I'm not saying we go to Marxism or some sort. I'm not. I'm not saying we need to radically. I'm not advocating any socialist thing. Don't don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm just pointing out the obvious. This is in our society. Our society, money means you are more important, and that's not it with Jesus. Because we come to God with this same kind of mentality, like if I could do more for you, or if I was able to have an easier life, or that's not how God is looking at you. He's really looking at your heart. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that wealthy people are having a harder time connecting with God than you when you're broke. Right? So when I am rich, I want, and I would like to be rich, I'm not going to lie, even though the Bible says, watch out if you want to be rich, I'd like to be tested in riches. I really... I, um, you know, there's this song that came out, test me, try me, winds of testing come. When I sing that, I'm like, test me with the riches, Lord. Test me with an, test me with an easy life, Jesus. I would like to see if I would pass the testing of luxury. Like, I just, just as an offering to you, Jesus, that I stood when no one else did, right? Like, that's, I don't know what testing you're praying for. That's the testing I'm looking for. And so, but I want to pass that test with generosity, right? And if you're broke, you get to be tested in a way that, you know, Jesus is near the poor. You need to recognize he is near the poor. And, and we tend to look at it like if I had money, God is near me. Remember, we talked about this yesterday, last week, excuse me, that if things are easy, we think we're in God's will. And when they're hard, we think we're not. When it's just really not true, sometimes in order to be closest to God, we need him to hold back some blessings in our life. Because he really wants us to have the greatest blessing, which is intimacy with him. Right? And sometimes he's like, man, I know you want that, and I'd love you to have that, but I can't let that come between me and you. You're more important to me than that. And so I understand if you're going to be upset, you're going to be angry, but I'd rather have you upset and angry than not at all. Right? 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 People say, you know, I can't come to God. I'm, I'm wrestling with this thing. Jesus would rather have messy you than none of you at all. Right? He'd rather have you. Come on, Amen. <clears throat> He would rather have you struggling with your sexuality, struggling with your purity, struggling with your emotions and not have you at all. Amen? He'll take you messy because he just wants you. Amen? Oh, I'm so crazy. I can. Yes, he'd rather have you crazy than not at all. He'd rather have you uncertain than not at all. Jesus just wants us. And so in our prayer life, the first thing I want to talk about, I want you to write this down. Number one, prioritize intimacy. Prioritize intimacy. You see, every command... Wow, Ooh, that was good. Hmm. Wow, kind of snuck up on me right there. Hey, uh, wow. <clears throat> Jabba. Ha. Ha. <clears throat> Got one of those spots happening over there. I'm just going to be over here for a second. Ha. <clears throat> see, now the commands of Jesus bring blessings on many rev- levels, right? And so God only, if he actually tells you to do something specific, it's for a reason. 
And it's not just because just he, he wants to be the boss. He wants to see if you're going to obey. Right? There's actually blessings in what he tells us to do on every level. Right? So if he's telling you to pray, it's not just because he wants to see if you'll listen. Because maybe he wants you to learn to pray so we can start bringing some answers to prayer. Right? And, and, and here's what I think is the most valuable in our day and age. And we're, ah, we just live so busy. Right? And we have to actually pull away from the busyness of life. That's not how we spell it. There's no dash in busyness. Just... It's why, but it's just no, there's no dash. It's actually a word. We have to pull away from the busyness of life and spend time with God. This world will fill your calendar every hour of every day. It has somewhere for you. Hallelujah. Shaba. Come on. It's because of the amazing people. Not the people who put the dash, but the other ones. Hallelujah. Ha. So we have to pull away from the busyness of life and spend time with God. We have to actually. Ha. Jesus wants you to pray because you're too busy. You're like, I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to pray. Something, something like supernatural happens when we give God our time, we get more time. He actually multiplies our time. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he does it, but when we give him the first of our finances, he multiplies our finances. When we give ourselves to helping other people, he starts solving our problems. You want to see your family get reached for Jesus? Start reaching out for somebody else's family. This is how it works. You start giving your time to God in prayer, he starts multiplying the rest of your time. We got to learn to spend our time where it matters. Right? Like, we just get busy. Like, can we give it to the dumbest things? We give our, our time to the dumbest things. We'll give it to hobbies and Abandon our kids for nonsense, right? Abandon our spouses for nonsense. Abandon God for nonsense, right? I mean, the good cutting down tree shows aren't even good anymore. Why are we watching them? Ha. Huh. <clears throat> and so we don't spend time in prayer, like, I believe partially because we don't understand the gospel. We don't understand the gospel. <clears throat> Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says, For I deliver to you as of first importance. Paul is saying, this is the most important thing I said to you. This is the primary message I have for you. Nothing I've said to you is more important than this. If you don't get anything else right, you've got to get this right. And if you don't get this right, you're not going to get anything right. Right? That was Paul. He's saying, get this right. Right? Like, that's what he's saying, right? Get this right. For I delivered to you of first importance what I also received. And what is that? That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And that He was buried. And that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. So Jesus died according to the Bible. He rose to life according to the Bible. And there's nothing more important we'll understand than that right there. And we're not going to understand prayer, that says, until we understand that. We're not going to understand worship until we understand that. We're not going to understand giving until we understand that. We're not going to understand deliverance until we understand that. We're not going to understand prophecy and the end times. We're not going to understand all the social justice. And, and we're not going to understand any of these things until we understand this. Why did Jesus do this? Look at this. People don't understand the gospel. The gospel, hear me is an invitation to fellowship with God. The Gospel is an invitation into fellowship with God. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9. Ready? God is faithful through whom you were called into... God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God has called you into fellowship with Jesus. And the only way you could come into fellowship is through the gospel. You see this. God does one thing that necessitates many other things. So He calls us to do something which necessitates other things. God has called us into fellowship, and then He provided a way of fellowship happening. And we have to understand 
what He provided for us in order for us to come into fellowship. We have to understand the price that the Father paid so that we could have fellowship with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? See, the problem is um, we're so weary. There's so much advertising in the world today. And there's so many people have an ulterior motive to relationship with you. Amen? People have an ulterior motive to relationship. You know, we talk about manipulation. And, and the word manipulate is to, is to use something in a way that it serves your good, right? So like if you need to parallel park a car, which is complicated for many people, you have to manipulate the car in an unnatural way to fit it in a spot, right? You have to manipulate it in an unnatural way. Manipulation with people is using you in an unnatural way to get what they want from you. That's manipulation. It's manipulation. And, and, and when people realize they're being manipulated, it brings a great deal of freedom because they realize, wow, I'm not crazy. I'm, I'm not crazy. I actually deserve to be treated better. Wow, I do actually matter. It's not all about that person. Right? That's, that's why manipulation is so caustic because it's a fake relationship with someone so they can get something from you. Right? <clears throat> How are manipulators so successful? They're successful because you were created for, for relationship. You were created for relationship. We were created for relationship. And they use that calling on the inside of your life for relationship for their purposes. They manipulate your desire for relationship in a way that they get something out of it. Does that make sense? Now, if you are manipulated by people, I do not want you to beat yourself up. You were actually being godly. They misused your godliness for their purposes. But God will reward you for your godliness. God will reward you. If you felt like you were manipulated in a relationship, don't, don't, don't allow the manipulator to continue having power over you by harboring hate. Don't let their, their, their power continue any longer. What you need to do is forgive and move on with your life. And say, Lord, that's between them and you. That's between them and you, God. I, I refuse to continue with the effects of this manipulation. Does this make sense? Yeah. Right? Then you continue being godly. And if somebody uses you, Jesus talked about it. Give them what they want. And move on with your life. Does that make sense? Yeah. But you were created for a relationship. And God created you. That way, because he wanted to be the first relationship in your life. He wants his relationship with you to be the first one in your life. And, and we so value this intimacy with God that we have the burning room on Friday nights. The purpose of the burning room is to foster intimacy between people and God. That's the purpose of the burning room. We come in here and we, we had a set just like our burning room sets today. <clears throat> we found out some musicians are going to be out of town and we were going to ask some other musicians to come in and Corey began to pray and he was like, no, I think this is what we're supposed to do this week. And he had no idea what I was going to be talking about. And as it turns out, we have a set very similar to a burning room set. And we're going to enter into it again at the end of service. Because God is telling this house, this is not just something that we do. This is part of who we are. This is part of who we are. This is part of our DNA. Intimacy with God is part of our DNA in this house. This is what we do. This is, this is, this is the essence of us. We can't, if we do anything and we don't get that right, then we haven't gotten anything right. <clears throat> and this intimacy with God is going, to, is going to manifest in my second point here. It will increase your fellowship with other believers. Increase your fellowship with other believers. <clears throat> the moment you receive Christ as Savior, you are adopted into the family of God. You are no longer alone. You may come here today feeling lonely. You may feel isolated. You may feel you're not alone. There is a family God has for you. You are adopt anybody hear me? You are adopted into the family of God. Let's look at this. First John chapter one. Let's read this. Starting in verse one. First John one one. He says, What was from the beginning? Oh, I'm going long. What was from the beginning? Oh goodness. What we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested, and we have seen and testify and proclaimed to you. The eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Verse 3. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that 
Remember earlier the little phrase the, the, of primary importance? He shared all this gospel. He said, we looked at all these things. We experienced Jesus. We told you about Jesus. We preached the gospel. We preached the gospel to you for a reason. Watch this, verse 3. We have seen and heard. We proclaim to you also so that, say so that, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. If you're experiencing the Gospel, if you're experiencing Jesus Christ, that will, that will necessitate an increase in your intimacy with God and your fellowship with other believers. They're directly tied together. They're directly tied together. We can't do this thing without each other. He didn't call us to be alone. Are you hearing me? This will increase your fellowship with other believers. This society makes us to be weary of other people because they might manipulate me for something. But people who operate in faith say, I have plenty of love to give, manipulate away. I'm not scared of running out. I'm not scared of being hurt. I'm not scared of being taken advantage of. I have plenty of love to give. And the love that's on the inside of me will transform your life. Amen? Come on, give it up. Amen. Amen. This was the prayer of Jesus. This is what Jesus prayed for us. That in John 17, he prays, the glory which you've given me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. That was the prayer of Jesus, that we would increase in fellowship with each other. And finally, what I want to tell you is, in your prayer life, and we're going to get into more specifics next week, pray God's will. Pray God's will. <clears throat> You've got to figure out who God has called you to be. And pray you become that person. Hear what I'm saying. Stop praying that you wouldn't be the wrong person. I have never seen anybody ever, ever pray away anxiety. I've never seen it happen. I've never seen anybody pray away depression. I've seen people pray in joy. I've seen people in the Bible pray in confidence. You can't pray away the devil. Jesus already defeated him. Jesus is like, I, well, I don't know what you're praying for. Why don't you stand over here with me in victory and pray who you will become, not who you don't want to become. Right? We'll sit there and we'll get, yeah, come on, amen. Amen. We'll, we'll be praying, oh God, I'm so, I'm so anxious. Oh, I'm not, I'm not given a spirit of fear. Oh, I'm so worried it's never going to go away. Oh God, please take it away. And he's like, that doesn't actually change anything. Have you noticed it doesn't change anything? Have you noticed it doesn't change anything? Go to God, God, take away my lust. All I can think about is naked people and they're doing naked people things and you're just talking about all the stuff you don't want in your life and you're multiplying it with your words. Don't make any sense. God's like, I'm not trying to have a pornographic prayer time right now. Can we talk about something righteous? How about instead you say, Lord Jesus, I just, I'm praying for just a heart of purity. I pray purity and I would be single-minded over my heart. You know, pray, pray in who God has called you to be. Stop talking to God about your anger and start praying to the Lord that I would be a person of grace and patience and I'd be a person of peace. Listen, are you dealing with depression? Start praying, God, make me an optimist. Help me to only see the positive things. Help me to be courageous enough to stop seeing the negative but see the positive. That I would not speak the negative, I would speak the positive. I wouldn't see what could possibly happen bad. I'll only look for what can happen that's good. Come on, because that actually takes courage. That actually takes faith. God, take away the, 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 the pessimism is, does not take any faith at all. That's saying, like, God, I messed up and it's your problem. And if you don't have a problem, God don't have a solution, right? I have a problem. I need to fix it. And by God's strength, I will. Amen? Amen? Come on. Amen, 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 amen. Yeah, come on. We got to pray. Listen, when God tells us to pray things, Oftentimes, he's going, to pray us, he's going to tell us to pray stuff we don't want to pray. That's how we know we're on the God prayers. Like, I don't want to put in the work of being an optimist. I don't want to put in the work of, of, of earning more money. I just don't want to have debt. I don't want to pray in another job or more work time so I make enough money. I want the easy solution. I'm looking for the scratch-off lottery thing. Have you noticed that the last lottery payout was like one point something billion dollars you know what that means that means at least there was at least three billion dollars worth of money that people 
spent on the lottery and didn't win in just that one cycle. That's what that means, because only half of it goes to the jackpot. The other half goes to education and whatnot. That means there's $3 billion wasted on that. I'm like, oh, could be me. <laughs> yeah, there's $3 billion of those out there could be me's. And I don't know if you've looked at your finances, you're not one in $3 billion. Right? Extra money comes at your extra job, right? Work hard, be a good person, and, and you will prosper. You say faithful to God, you will prosper. Amen? We get the band to come on up. Listen, God wants to answer your prayers. He actually wants to answer your prayers. Are you hearing me? God wants to answer your prayers. He wants you to live a fruitful life. He wants you to see fruit in what you're doing. He wants that. And he wants your heart to be at a place that your prayers and his prayers become one and the same. You hear me? He's looking for them. They'll become the same. Look at John 14. This is what he says. This, this, this is where we're going. This is what we want to do. John 14. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. I want to be so intimate with Jesus. So in tuned in his heart. That he's just, he's got, he's got like the answer to my prayer waiting. He's like, I'm just waiting for you to say it because I'm about to drop it on you. I'm about to just drop it on you. I'm about to just drop it on you. I can imagine Jesus in heaven. He heard those disciples there in front of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin thought they were somebody because they had convinced themselves the waterless springs that they were, that they were somebody. And I imagine Jesus in heaven just laughing. Right? Remember in the Psalms, it talks about he laughs himself into derision. You know, why do the nations rage? And the, right? People plot a vain thing. The Lord laughs himself. So he laughs himself off his throne almost. I just imagine Jesus laughing like, I know how stubborn Peter is. This is the funniest thing in the world. There's no way he's going to bow to you. I barely got him to listen to me. And I'm God. You think he's going to listen to you? I can imagine Jesus like, <laughs> I got boldness. I'm waiting for you right now. The angels are waiting to crowd in. Like, Just ask it, man. I got you. Just ask it. I just ask it. Just ask it. Oh, Jesus, would you give us boldness? Boom! Floods the room with his presence, right? Floods the room with the Holy Ghost. Intimacy with God and intimacy with people will directly lead to answered prayer. It will directly lead to answered prayer. As you grow in intimacy with God, your prayers are going to be transformed into His heart. You're going to stop protecting yourself and you're going to start trusting God. You'll be praying things. You'll be able to look back and say, man, I tell you, there's no greater feeling than scratching things off your prayer list. It's an amazing feeling. It's an amazing feeling. I just, I love it. Nothing more fun than taking folks off my prayer list. Whether they leave or they get blessed. Either way. <laughs> Hallelujah. God's looking for you to <clears throat> pray things. He's looking for you to pray things that are important to Him. And I'm here to let you know you are important to God. God cares about you. He wants you to pray things He cares about and He cares about you. And He actually has a plan to bring those things to pass. I feel the anointing of God in here pretty good. And I, um, there's some people in the room and I'm not going to call you up, but if, um, <clears throat> but this is Holy Spirit. Uh, you may feel your right leg beginning, your right foot specifically beginning to burn. And uh, God is, uh, there's some people who have been praying for God to use you. And God is confirming right now that is part of what his plan for your life is. And uh, he's only going to give you so many, he's only going to tell you so many times, yeah, I called you, I called you, I called you. You've got to trust me. I'm working some things out. I'm working some things out. I'm here to let you know, if you're having a hard time trusting him in finances when you have a job, you're not, you don't want to go into ministry yet. Right? God is working something out. God is working something out. Right? Let him do his work. I don't know who that was for, I feel like that was Holy Spirit, though. And so what I wanted to do right now, um, and I, we've gone long, and if you need to go, I bless you. Let me just pray for you real quick before I finish. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for these and the sound of my voice. I, I'm just, I feel so privileged, Father, that I get to tell people about you and your love for them and how you want to bless them with the greatest gift, you. 
and you're just so awesome and you're so good and uh, I thank you that you're so much better pastor than I, I could ever be uh, and I'm just thankful that was a little too loud amen there to tell you but um, I thank you that you heal my heart Jesus and I don't feel rejected or judged right now but I am important I am loved um, but Father I, uh, I just thank you I thank you I get to point people to you and I thank you, Lord, that you actually care enough about people, that you want to spend time with us, that you want to multiply the time of our day. You want to multiply our finances. You want to multiply the love in our life. Uh, and so I, I feel like I have to say this. So um, if you're away from God and you, you don't, you're not, maybe you don't even have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you never did. Maybe it's not where you think it should be. Maybe you've been bound by sin. Uh, what we're going to do is, all you have to do is you have to say a prayer. You say a prayer and you begin talking to Jesus. Begin that 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 uh, relationship of intimacy. And what you do is you just tell him, say, Jesus, man, I've done things that are wrong. I knew they were wrong and I did them anyways. And when I was doing things that I knew were wrong, that was me resisting you. And I don't want to resist you anymore. I want you to forgive me of what I did wrong. And I'm asking you to come into my life. And I ask you to be my God. And that you would fill me with your spirit and you just help me walk with you. And I'm going to have some people right up here at the front. If I have the prayer team come forward now. And uh, if you prayed that for the first time today, we're going to start singing. Um, and you can talk to them at some point. Also, if you need healing in your body or if uh, you need breakthrough or deliverance, uh, if you have any prayer need at all, they would love to minister to you. Uh, not just salvation, but including. And if you need filled with the spirit, possibly. And... Uh, and we just uh, we just want everything God has for you. We want you to have it. And so we just bless you in the name of Jesus. If you have to leave, we bless you in the name of Jesus. My wife and I will be in the lobby. We'd love to meet you. Now, if you're able to stick around for a couple minutes, we're going to kind of recreate what we do on Friday nights at the burning room. And they're just going to begin worshiping the Lord. And we're just going to enter into intimacy. You could stand. You could sit. You could lay on the ground. But this is less of a rah-rah time, more of a I'm going to get intimate with Jesus time. And this is what we, oh, this is what we do on Friday nights. And the, and the Spirit of the Lord is still here, and the angel of the Lord is here to help bring you into breakthrough. And so just, if you're able to spend a couple minutes in here, uh, I advise you to give that a shot and just ask God questions like, Jesus, do you love me? Father, what is your heart toward me? And maybe you'll begin to intercede, maybe for your kids, maybe for your neighbor, maybe for your parents. Just ask God to bless them. Maybe pray for your, your church, pray for your pastor, if you would, your ministry team leader. Pray for your city. Pray for the elections coming up. Don't get weird. Don't get dominionist. But pray that God's will will be done in our lives. Amen? Amen. Go ahead, worship team. Hey, we love you. I'm going to be in the lobby. If you need to go, please go quietly if you would. Just, you can talk in the lobby. We're just going to give some time for prayer here for a little bit. You come forward. You can stay in your seat and go home. But we love you. Thank you for coming. God bless you. Have a great day.
our hearts are yours, we want you.